0: and it's been a while since we've done a show it's been like over a year yeah a little bit of that was my fault i went back to school uh finished my degree so it sort of took me out of podcasting and basically all of my shows
1: did did you did you really finish your degree this time i'm always curious
0: as a matter of fact yes i now have a bachelor's of science in independent studies with a focus on social sciences Let's talk a little bit about the show and what we're going to be doing differently this year, and then we'll jump into a few topics. Aaron has gotten an awesome opportunity to start to work remotely in the rest of the world.
1: Exactly. Very remotely, in fact.
0: So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the places you're going to be going and what that means for the show?
1: Well, so I signed up for a program called Remote Year. And as part of that, the, uh, the system for doing that is every month they send you to someplace new. Uh, And you do that for a year. I don't have what my final itinerary is going to be, but it will likely be either six months in Europe and six months in South America, or it will be um, like four months in Europe, South America, and Southeast Asia. So some of the places I'm going to go are like Prague in the Czech Republic, Lisbon, possibly uh, someplace in Croatia or Spain or possibly London, uh, in South America, it would be places like Colombia and Sao Paulo or Buenos Aires. Um, and then in Asia, it's mostly Southeast Asia countries, um, but like there's like and cities in there, Hanoi, uh, both in Vietnam. Um, Kuala Lumpur is one of the cities. So it'd be a month in each of those and then traveling, um, working for a month in that country and then moving on to the next one.
0: Which for the show means that we're going to have the opportunity to take this international. Exactly. Aaron's going to be able to go to uh, exotic locales and new bars local to where he's at and find us some drinks that we haven't really experienced yet or we've uh, not been able to get the real legitimate experience. And while he's doing that, I'm going to you know sit here in Maple Valley. Yeah, basically, you're going to sit there in Maple Valley. I, you, you always say Maple Valley is a great place to live. I, I said it's quiet and I don't have to deal with neighbors. That's different.
1: Touche. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, my my, uh, goal and hope is to be able to go and basically throughout the month I'll have had spent some time going to different bars, going to different locations, maybe trying local spirits that you can't really get easily outside of the country, and then come back and talk about it. And maybe if I make friends with some bartender, have them on the show as well.
0: Basically, we'll be trying to get international secrets about how to drink better. Exactly. More things to drink and harder things to find than we can get in America. So I'm actually pretty excited about this. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to live uh, vicariously through Aaron a little bit here. But I think it'll, at the end of the day, give us a lot more uh, topics to discuss and uh, maybe find out a little bit more about some of the local um, alcohols in areas like Vietnam, which I've never really considered. What do the Vietnamese drink in, uh, you know, their local Uh, bars? Well, I know
1: they've got, what is it, rattlesnake venom whiskey or rattlesnake whiskey, something like that. There's a drink. That I Like, I vaguely remember this from... Three Sheets or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it was either Three Sheets or it might have been, like, an Anthony Bourdain show, whether mm-hmm. it was one of the No Reservations or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, there's, like, a Cobra Venom whiskey thing. I don't know, would that be fermenting pickling? If you stick a dead snake inside whiskey, the alcohol is going to kind of preserve it,
0: sort of. I, I believe that's a form of pickling. Because they're All putting right. it in post the uh, alcohol manufacturing, so it's not like they're distilling right. snakes. Yeah, good call. We'll, so we'll call it pickling. You, you're going to have to uh, record some of that, go out and uh, maybe even write some blog posts about what you're finding and how your, your uh, experiences is, is going to be. Yeah, that also means you need to actually make a website, but you know, the details. Uh, little little things, like the website making, easy. Everybody does it these, these days. And we do have the option of going Facebook or something that's, like, low-hop.
1: i thinking more website
0: than Facebook, but, you know. Cool. Yeah, we, we can could get be that could convinced going. otherwise. So, let's dive into our topics for today. We don't have a lot because even though we planned, like, two weeks ago to bring the show back and to actually uh, get prepared and do it right this time, uh, we managed to just go drink heavily instead. So... Um, yeah, I, that I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you posited today uh, a topic that I just fundamentally don't understand. I didn't understand the words, I don't understand the desires, I don't even understand how somebody would choose to do what it is you were telling me about.
1: The whole idea of the dry sat- or dry January.
0: Yeah, so tell me a little bit about dry January. Where did it start? Why in God's name are people doing it? And uh who's doing it
1: well so i got introduced to it um at your aa meeting at my AA, how'd, how'd you know although they I were guess they were a little bit further along than dry january they were suggesting 12 months
0: hmm.
1: all the time see and that didn't do well with the whole like 12 step program i thought that's what they meant but no they meant like all the
0: time yeah I, i'm not down with that kind of commitment.
1: No. So I got introduced to the idea via a a diet, of all things. Um, so we eat a lot of extra crap in our diet that's just bad for us as a general rule. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty much so okay with that 90% of the time. But there's one that's called Whole30, and it's a 30-day program of not eating any dairy, legumes, grains, or sugar.
0: So basically all the food that's worth eating.
1: Sort of. I mean, you get to eat. Meat and vegetables and fruit.
0: Which are good.
1: It's hard to beat a
0: a good steak. I agree with that. But a steak is way better once it has a little bit of uh, blue cheese butter on top of it.
1: I'm not going to argue this point. Um, And cheese is divine. And the fact that you can't have dairy means you can't have cheese. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a horrible thing. But the whole idea is to reset your body to be a little bit more normal and to not have you know, not have the sugar cravings and things like that. Right. Um, like, and but it's a 30 day program. And, you know, if you're not having grain and you're not having added sugar, it also means you're not having alcohol because alcohol is in every form imaginable, basically grain. Um, and even in the couple of forms where it's not a grain, it still is processed sugars that then just translate to sugar in your body.
0: Right. So you're talking, uh, about wines here, which are fruit based but are basically processed sugar,
1: yeah. Or even um, even like a potato vodka, right? I mean, it's yeah. not a grain; it's a potato. Or a, but
0: a cider or something like that,
1: yeah. But it still has the alcohol; still has the sugar content. And the idea is to get get all of the sugar out of your system. The the a lot of people who do it. So I did it last year, um, February ish time frame. Okay. maybe March, something like that. But a lot of people who talk about it in a lot of the forums that you're looking at and whatnot. Um,
0: I don't look at any forums that suggest they stop drinking alcohol or eating potatoes and cheese. Just a personal rule.
1: That's, that's a fair, that's a good rule. I, I'll appreciate that. A lot of the forums that are on this diet to talk about doing it in January is kind of a...
0: Is a, a reset for the year, start out good and healthy and uh, start practicing a healthy uh, experience. Yes, exactly,
1: which yay, but you know, on the same side, i I kind of like alcohol i, I you'd, you'd be surprised by the fact that we're doing this podcast,
0: uh, yeah, I would never have assumed either one of us has any inclination towards this stuff uh, I find actually one of the things that is strange about that is the december January time frame is one of the hardest times to make a life change, especially one wherein you decide to stop drinking alcohol, because you have so many holidays. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, all of December, which is basically uh, Christmas. You've got New Year's. You've got uh, my birthday, which is you know a national holiday. You
1: you are right though that that the idea of doing it in the holidays would be really really hard, um, which is why I had no intention whatsoever of doing it
0: in January.
1: Well, in in December especially because that's yeah. you know my birthday. But the one thing that's interesting about doing it in January is that it's 30 days, not 31 days. And that's an important distinction because you need your hangover food on January 1st. But you could, in <laughs> theory, do, you know, if you're not celebrating Zach's national holiday. Right. You could, in theory, do a fun little time of uh, do your New Year's, Get have your hangover food. food on. And then on, on, you know, on the 2nd, you can start and do whatever you want. and. Thirty days later, it's now February first, and everything is good.
0: So you said you've done this before. How did it actually go? Uh, Did you feel better after it? It's interesting. The first, I'm not gonna
1: lie, the first ten days or so are absolute hell. (laughs) Um, Like the first day is not too bad. Like the first one or two days, it isn't. It isn't too bad. Right. But around day three, you start to get depending on how much sugar you have normally. I don't do a whole lot of just. Candy or sweets, but like you've, right. you'd be amazed at how much food has added sugar to it. So like you're doing a lot of reading labels of like, right. oh look, the third the third ingredient on this peanut butter is actually sugar, so I can't have it. That yeah. sort of thing. Um, but so around the third or fourth day, you start to get a headache that mm-hmm. lasts for about seven days. Yep, um, and that's your body detoxing through everything, and and you you start to slowly come out of that cloud and the one thing that is interesting for me is that i'm not necessarily a huge bread eater Um, Mm -hmm. i don't i don't really keep it in the house i don't go out of my way to go eat bread but man around day 10 or 12 knowing that you can't have it and it being a huge craving it's really hard to be around bread yeah you do feel better at the end of it though though
0: i know when i've trained for half marathons or um the like and I go into my like super training phase, or I am only eating healthy food, I'm not doing any alcohol, I'm not having a bunch of sugary stuff, that first uh, seven to ten days is basically horrible. You walk by a McDonald's or any restaurant that has bread in it, and you're like, oh my God, give me some bread. Fried foods, exactly. please, I want those now. Yeah, that that is, for me, one of the harder cravings to push past. Like the sugar, eh, I can take or leave. the uh, The bread, though, or potatoes, it's just... Very, very hard for me to uh stop unless I have a good reason.
1: I will say that the uh the one like really really good thing that came out of it was that I've discovered uh lacroix it's like a flavored water, but it has no sweeteners, no added sodium, nothing like that, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like i don't know talking rain if you're familiar with that one. yep, my wife drinks uh, it all the time well, Lacroix has a coconut flavored sparkling water. That is absolutely delightful.
0: I'll have to give that a try. So, are you planning on doing this for a month?
1: Uh, I'm like second weekend right now.
0: Oh, your second weekend. So you haven't had any alcohol for two weeks. Yeah, that was a really weird. Yeah, there was like a long pause while I tried to decide if you're going to lie to me or not. <laughs> I would never lie to you. <laughs> not on the air, on the podcast, definitely. Not to your face. So, with no drinking for. Two weeks, which is weird because I think you and I went out drinking less than two weeks ago. No,
1: no, it was two weeks ago.
0: <laughs> so it's like the very next day you're like, nope, I- I'm I'm getting on this.
1: Well, I cheated that day. Uh, and so it wasn't like a, a shock thing, but
0: yeah. Okay. I, I was going to ask what it is you've been drinking lately, but let's talk about what you were drinking before... You started your thirty days of getting clean and sober, <laughs> except when you go out and drink with Zach.
1: Well, you know you're gonna make exceptions sometimes. <laughs> For the holidays, I made a couple of different batches and styles of eggnog. Okay. That was kind of fun, like traditional eggnog. Yeah. So uh, it it kind of got started because I don't know. I, I don't say my tattoo artist, but I've only gone to one tattoo form. At any rate, wait, you have a tattoo? I've got three actually.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Didn't that's, you know we're, that? We're going to do our own tattoo podcast later then. I did not oh. realize you had tattoos. Why why does
1: it have to be a separate tattoo podcast? Like
0: that's a long. Well, it's going to be a short run BBC style podcast with like two episodes. Oh, okay. Is it like like one for me and one for you? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you had any tattoos. Yeah, I do.
1: See? We're we're learning, we're
0: learning so much about each other right now. Going back, eggnog. So you're um, a tattoo so- artist?
1: He would posted on um, Instagram a photo of him carrying a box of Sun Liquor's uh, aged eggnog. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, this is the thing that, that Sun Liquor does and come liquid they do it with. But at any rate, they make an eggnog, and then they age it, and then they, you know, bottle it up and sell it. Um, and so I went and bought some of that, and it was really damn good. And so I wanted to try and make it myself, and I knew that it wasn't going to be aged, but just making it in general seemed like a good idea.
0: Yep. So why don't you remind the audience how do you make eggnog?
1: Um. Well, you knog some eggs. Wow. <laughs> no. So you take uh, the recipe that I used was eggs. Uh, Baker's sugar or confectioner's sugar, which is mm-hmm. a super fine grade of sugar. It's not powdered sugar. It's different. Right. Um, whole milk, heavy cream, um, nutmeg, brandy, and uh, rum, like spiced rum. Mm-hmm. And you basically take the you take the eggs, crack them into a blender. You put the blender on the slowest speed possible. And you wait until the eggs are kind of all um, mixed in thoroughly. And then you slowly start to add the sugar. And as you do that, it's interesting that the it you wouldn't necessarily think that the sugar would make that big of a difference in volume. But the, the combination of sugar and eggs causes it to get a little bit bigger and, and a little bit more volume to it. Mm-hmm. And then you add the various creams slowly. And then you add the nutmeg. And then you add the alcohol. And then... It's it honestly is a better flavor if after you've done all of that, you then put it in the refrigerator and let it sit for twenty four hours. Right. It's a it's a much better flavor when you do that.
0: So did you use a particular kind of brandy or rum?
1: The rum I used was Sailor Jerry's. Mm-hmm. Um so I like a spiced rum, but I didn't want it overly sweet, and Sailor Jerry's is pretty good for that. Yep. Um and then I honestly know next to nothing about brandy. Um, all right so uh, I was trying to figure out what a good a good one was um, and then I ran out of time and ended up being at the Safeway again was trying to find something that didn't look like it was complete total rot gut and I ended up with like just Christian Brothers brandy
0: okay how did it turn out the how, how was the brandy let's ask that and then we'll go for the whole eggnog which I'm assuming came out pretty well the brandy itself is... Because that's one of the it's one of the alcohols we haven't or the base spirits that we haven't actually tried on the show, I think.
1: No, we haven't. I feel like a Christian Brothers is a bad example of a brandy to try and base brandy off of. Um it was a little bit almost acerbic. There's a there's a f- factor to it that I don't quite know how to describe or explain. Hmm. Um but by itself I it's not it's not bad. I mean it's it's very similar in some respects, to a whiskey, just because it's been aged in a barrel and it's Rain. it's a brown and liqueur and all that fun stuff, but um, there's a flavor profile to it that's a little bit harsher than most bourbons.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. And I don't know. I, I basically I don't know enough to know whether or not that is the brandy itself or if it's that the, brand. And brand. I'm assuming it's that brand.
0: Yeah. That um, that, that happens. Each uh, distiller kind of has the their own flavor profile they're shooting for some yeah. folks like things a little bit spicier or uh, harsher. So, yeah, that's a reasonable expectation that it could come from just uh, the approach they take. Eggnog, how did it come out? And you have any left? It came out
1: really fucking delicious.
0: So, you have none left.
1: There is not a bit of it left. I made two batches of it the first night I tried. Mhm. And Basically, Ted and I drank all of the normal batch. The other batch that I made was so Lizzie can't have dairy. Right. I tried coconut milk and coconut creamer. Oh, okay. And it actually came out really damn well as well.
0: I can imagine, especially with the coconut flavors in there. That like, because coconut water has a, uh, or I'm sorry, coconut milk has a little bit of a nutty kind of sweetness to it. Yeah. And I can see would be adding a little bit more than you get just out of straight milk or cream.
1: And it was just kind of one of those cans of coconut milk, right? Like you mm-hmm. and it came out really well. In fact, I don't I I don't know whether or not Lizzie drank all of that. I would assume that she has by now. <laughs> that was Christmas Eve. Right. And then the next day, when Ted and I got up, we decided that We needed more eggnog, so I made another batch. And by then, I was out of cream. I think I was out of of milk and cream by then. Like, I didn't have enough to make a third batch, or we probably would have drank that, too. I made another batch of the coconut milk a little bit before New Year's, I guess.
0: So, if you were, like, as you go forward now making eggnog, are you going to kind of substitute the coconut milk in place of the regular milk, or are you... uh... Or is that just a fun thing every once in a while?
1: I'm not sure, to be honest. I, it's one of those things where I'll probably do it depending on who the audience is for. If I'm just going to make it for myself or if I'm making it for a party and I'm not worried about the dairy allergy, then I will probably just make it with whole milk. The whole milk and half a cream. But I have some friends that are basically can't have dairy. So, yeah. you know, if I'm making it for her, then I will not be having... I'll be making it with coconut milk instead.
0: Okay, sweet. Any other items you've been drinking?
1: I have a friend bring me back. Pisco from uh, Chile, along with uh, uh, there's a there's a berry there that's called calafete. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of similar, like from the description and flavor and everything else. I would I would say it's like a flavor profile. Imagine a cross between like a blackberry and a blueberry. Okay, and they make a uh, calafete syrup out of that, which is the pulverized. I mean, it, it's it's almost like a jam, but a little bit more liquid than that. Okay. But the uh, apparently throughout Chile they made um, pisco sours with calafete syrup, so it was like a calafete pisco sour. Mm. So I've made a bunch of those. Uh, that came, those come out really good. Um, it's it's a little bit of a tart and tangy, but rather than using just simple syrup to sweeten it up, you're using this calafete syrup, so it's a little bit more. Um,
0: you get a little more depth to the flavor as opposed to just the uh balancing out of this citrus or balancing out of the acids.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really fun too because the it comes out this like awesome purplish pink color um between the egg, the pisco and the um calafete syrup which is this really dark blue. And then of course with the egg white in there, it um you know, it gets really frothy and you have this this really nice good like frothed up head on top of it, so
0: you know what's the uh the, you said the pisco is what kind of a base spirit like how is that made?
1: I honestly do not know <laughs> um it's a it's a regional i know it's a regional spirit for uh South america
0: what's the flavor profile on it is it uh whiskey ish tequila tequila-y? Lummi? it's more
1: whiskey ish i would i would say it's probably if i were to take a guess flavor profile to me reminds me of something that you could get from like distilling wine or from distilling like it has an element to it that I feel is similar to similar to the brandy. Or, not brandy, but... um, Well, it's... So there's a type of brandy that I do like that's Calvados, which mm-hmm. is basically an apple-flavored brandy, but it's, like, specific to a region-type thing. And it's not, like, apple brandy that you think of in the United States where it's, like, heavily-flavored, almost too-sweet apple-flavored. It's more like a, a hint in the background. Pisco kind of reminds me of that... And
0: Yeah, as I'm doing some really great, good brief research here, it says Pisco is a colorish, yellowish to amber color brandy produced in wine making regions of Peru and Chile. So basically See, distill that's... uh fermented grape juice into a high proof spirit. Uh looks like we have the Spanish settlers to think from that.
1: So I'm just going to point out that I pulled that completely out of my ass and was right. So
0: go yeah, me. A, good job on you. I, I'm I'm glad you can tell what alcohol tastes like. I, I can, on the other hand, use Wikipedia.
1: You know what? You always cheat and bring things and, like, look up stuff while we're talking and just put me on the spot, and I'm supposed to be the expert,
0: so. It, it's not like I'm asking you who made the Pisco Sour. I, I know That would this. be me. No. Oh, I know you, oh, mean, you mean this one. you mean originally. <laughs> but the attribution for the creation of the Pisco Sour actually goes to Elliot Stubb. He was the English steward on the ship called the Sunshine. That's because you
1: have the Wikipedia page up.
0: No, no, uh-uh. Uh, we, we even know who um, said he did it. It was a folklorist, Arreste Plath. Yeah, any time that we have a um, folklorist telling me who made the first um, drink of any type, I just naturally don't believe him. It's like any time a bar says, we created the piña colada. It's like, no, you fucking didn't. You just found a sign.
1: You know, the funny thing about that is, like, I mean, there are a lot of legitimately arguable origin stories for drinks.
0: Yes, there are. That would actually make a really good show. Maybe we talk uh, origin stories about drinks uh, sometime in the future. We could do that. Like,
1: like there's, like, you have to, like, pick one and, like, go from there type thing. Because, I mean, like, and some of them are just, they're so convoluted. I mean, you, you realize that there is a... I think it's like 100, a 120-page, 150-ish page. It's relatively small. It's somewhere on my bookshelf, but I can't see it. Maybe I borrowed it or lended it out to somebody. But there's there's literally a, a a decent-sized book on the history of the old-fashioned.
0: Oh, yeah. No, like, it's amazing because a lot of these drinks um, were either commonplace, so commonplace that nobody even thought to attribute a creator to them because just everybody was drinking them or multiple places claim they were the originators of it. And, you know, it's legitimately possible that the same drink did spring up in multiple places at the same time, especially given alcohol in general, as it's made in areas, is very regionalized. So it's totally conceivable that, like, two bars over two different bartenders that happen to uh, watch the same movie go, Ooh, wait a minute. I should mix some rum and pineapple juice together. Boom. <laughs> right? Like or
1: Yeah. Well and like you, you go with the idea of um like I was just thinking of like drinks that you have today and there's um it, there's there's a bit of a I don't wanna say formula because it's not quite the right word, but I I mean there is, right? Like you you know that if I want to make a drink in X style, it's going to be you know this portion of base liquor, this portion of a sweetener, this portion of a citrus, and and you know th- you've now got. I've just described a gimlet and a margarita, and you know I don't. I can't even think of how many other. You also, describe an old fashioned. Yeah, I mean to a certain extent. Yeah, I they're a little bit different. There's no citrus in There's old no factory. citrus
0: in there per se, but they do have the orange peel in there for garnish
1: yeah Which, I meant like more like citrus juice, but fair enough,
0: yeah you're also talking about every smash out there, or yeah even uh oh crap, what is it back in the olden days, it hasn't been as good since, but uh they actually used to make a really good vodka drink based off of absolute lemonade minute made lemonade and some uh either contro or uh something like that,
1: yeah, no, it was like a was it the Lynchburg
0: lemonade? I think it was like no. an absolute lemonade is what they called it.
1: It like, might have been the absolute lemonade, yeah. But yeah, I remember drinking a lot of those when I was 21.
0: I I think they're too sweet for me now, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. I replicated the recipe for a while on my own at home, like by kind of just going, hey, how much of this do we need in here? And then started modifying and using, you know, actual lemon juice, better based spirits. And you can actually make a kick-ass drink out of that.
1: Yeah, I don't doubt it. But see, that goes back to the idea. of you have this idea of a formula, if I switch out this the vermouth for a different type of amaro, you now got a different drink. But what's to yep. say that someone else hasn't done that already someplace else? Mm-hmm. So, like the idea any more of an origin story for a drink or that I made up a cocktail is is kind of an interesting idea to me. Only in that I guarantee you that someone else has tried that before. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? It's now yeah. just a matter of what has uh what people find like and can go oh yeah this is where you go get that
1: yeah which is which is an awesome thing but it it makes it interesting that the history of cocktails is a little bit different compared to what it would have been yeah and just like i mean you think back to there are some really famous cocktails that we do know a origin story for and it's like yeah this was at the savoy room at you know, during the 1930s because it was really popular then.
0: Yeah, the the history of spirits and cocktails in particular is very interesting. So uh, we we should definitely uh, do some podcasts, like pick some drinks that have uh, some solid history, pick some ones that have some contested history and talk a little bit about what was going on at the time, who was drinking what, how the drink gained popularity. Absinthe is another one of those drinks that has a uh, really interesting history. Lots of undeserved... (laughs) opinions from folks
1: i mean it doesn't turn you blind or hallucinate or crazy
0: well it depends like if any alcohol how much you have <laughs> <laughs> but it's not heroin or lsd let's put it that way we've actually done a show on absinthe right absinthe episode four okay cool definitely let's go ahead and do some uh, podcasts on cocktail history any uh, other exciting things you've been drinking like pisco sours uh eggnog really it for
1: the kind of new things i i really thinking about nice. it
0: <laughs> yeah i haven't been doing any new things lately i've uh, been going back to the uh base starter areas traditionally at the house if i'm having a drink i've just been having a relatively simple straightforward drink a cuba libre <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know which is better the fact that you have a Questioning inflection in your voice, or the fact that you didn't want to say rum and coke?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, so uh, <clears throat> I was hoping nobody would notice. I've traditionally just been drinking rum and cokes or uh, vodka cokes or something like that, but I found that now, after my getting old, coke doesn't really work for me anymore. So I've had to try and start finding some drinks that don't require uh, the carbonation in them, which is kind of unfortunate because it also knocks out beers, or well, mostly beers. So like. The carbonation isn't doing it yeah, for you. Yeah, carbonation has actually given me some problems in my stomach, so I've stopped drinking anything carbonated, unless I'm already like pretty deep in the night, in which case it probably doesn't matter anymore what happens to my stomach. What I've uh, been doing is going back to simpler times, just drinking scotch, whiskey, or you know, I've been in the last couple of nights making old fashions and trying to really hone in on a good mix. There,
1: we could really do. An entire show on Scotch. Oh no, yeah,
0: definitely. That's that's a good one. I uh had an opportunity here recently to sample a bunch of twenty year old or better scotches. That was a very good tasting.
1: It's it's going to be interesting though, trying to figure out more and more how to uh, answer your random texts that you send me about what to drink.
0: <laughs> Here's my problem with drinking sometimes, and I did this the other night accidentally. I have an old fashioned, right? An old fashioned can be drank very quickly. My wife is sitting there having a glass of wine, and that glass of wine will last her, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes. I can uh, accidentally pound a Old Fashioned Without Thinking mm, in about 11 and a half seconds.
1: That's actually a little bit long, I think. Yeah, it is.
0: Uh, (laughs) So I've, I've been trying to train myself to drink slower right? Because, you know, old fashions are actually yummy. You want to taste them. But when you're used to just, (laughs) you you son of a bitch, Uh, when you're used to drinking rum and Cokes, which has a lot more volume, you don't have to worry so much about that. So, you know, you can get get in trouble a little faster that way. I, I remember I texted you about three weeks ago asking for a good idea for a drink that was relatively easy to make. Large volume, but not overly sweet. And I have yet to get back a response.
1: Well, that's because I kept asking you, like, follow-up questions. And it just kept getting harder and harder. Because it was like, well, I don't want it to be with, like, just a, uh, what was it? I don't want it to be, like, a carbonated mixer. And I, I don't want to make it in huge batches. And, like, i like, it just kept getting harder and harder for me to try and figure out, like, how do you make a drink that's large in volume, but not necessarily... Not necessarily with any sort of soda in it, or tonic, right. or anything else like that, and it's like, because, like, you know, gin and tonic, that's that's an easy drink to make, but it's got your soda water yeah, in it. Which
0: is what I switched to when I was worried that, or as soon as I was having problems with the Cuba Libres, I switched over to gin and tonics, and was like, ah, crap, same thing. Damn it, carbonation's the only thing they share. So I did a little bit of testing, and yeah, I was like, son of a bitch, what are you gonna do now?
1: I just had a... a, a drink combo in my head that might work. Green chartreuse, swizzle.
0: I love me some green chartreuse. I used to uh, drink just chartreuse, a little bit of soda water, and then a little bit of lime or whatever citrus I had around.
1: So essentially, uh, the the swizzle is green chartreuse, but it's a lot of it. It's like an ounce and a half, two ounces, something like
0: that. Uh, For those of you that don't know, chartreuse comes in a relatively, like, what is that, 300 milliliter bottle? And it costs about the same as a bottle of... Anything else that's at the 750 milliliter. So
1: I know that I bought a 750 milliliter bottle of green chartreuse and it was in Washington, which have ridiculous tax laws, but um, it was $95 for that after tax. Yeah. Now I will say that like most drinks, they use chartreuse relatively sparingly. Having more than half an ounce of chartreuse in a drink is actually kind of
0: shocking uh, for those of you that don't know, Chartreuse tastes very similar to absinthe, and there's exactly one place that makes chartreuse so that which yes. accounts for the cost, right It's anise flavor, liqueur, and honestly, it's very yummy. If you haven't had a drink with some chartreuse in it, give it a try and now, I'm a fan of the green chartreuse. I've not actually tried what's the is it yellow is the other one?
1: They have a yellow chartreuse. They yeah. also have they have a couple other versions now that they're selling that there's one that's aged and there's one that is higher proof. Oh. Hmm. It's like just below the proof level and still allowed to be shipped basically. Right. And um,
0: it's a group of monks, right, that make chartreuse yeah. in is it France or I'm not Wikipedia in the others, I'm doing it from memory yeah. now, so
1: From from memory, I do believe it's France, yes. Yeah. But a chartreuse swizzle is basically chartreuse pineapple juice, lime juice, and then falernum. So,
0: yeah. um, That actually sounds really good.
1: The problem that I have with them is that the very first time I had them was a year and a half ago, I think. Okay. It was, it was one of those things where I just, I asked the bartender that I, the bar I was at, and this guy that I knew, like, had gone back and forth with and talked to him quite a bit, and he's like, yeah, just make me something. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I want something a little bit light and fresh, but, like, different flavor than we'd expect, and... It was a summer day, and he handed this to me. I think I like took a sip and like just like gulped it down practically yeah, like, without, without realizing it and ordered another one. And then on the third one, he's like, all right, so I got you addicted to these, so this one's on me, but these aren't cheap drinks, just so you know. And I'm like,
0: you know what? That's a good point. It's chartreuse at a bar. Yeah. That's, that, you may as well be paying $25 for the, each drink. I think it was like, he. I think it was charging me like $18 or something yeah. like that. I really like drinks that have pineapple juice in them, but I have a hard time keeping pineapple juice around the house. doesn't come in a good container ever.
1: There's the um, little six ounce cans you can buy. Those would be like the right size for this, and that's what they had at this bar.
0: So I know they still make them and sell them, but that would be a, a perfect size because you'd open one or two up. I'm going to have to take a look then because I've got a bottle of chartreuse up in the cu- cupboard. Roughly... Uh, You're saying about, what, six ounces of pineapple juice, probably two shots of chartreuse, and what was the other... It's lime
1: juice and falernum, but I think it was, like, probably only, like, an ounce of all of those, maybe a half ounce of the falernum. Okay. Um, So, it wasn't like it was a huge volume.
0: What's falernum? I'm not familiar with
1: that. Falernum is a really hard-to-pronounce word. Yeah. So, it's found... Most typically in like tiki drinks, you see it often in kind of that style. And you think you've seen Mm -hmm. Caribbean drinks that kind of tropical tiki styling, but it um, it's an almond ginger and clove kind of,
0: Oh, that sounds interesting.
1: And it's a syrup, not like a liqueur. It's, it's more of a, um, it's
0: much more like a a very, very super complex syrup. syrup, right? Falernum is a sweet syrup used in Caribbean and tropical drinks. Uh, almond, ginger, cloves, and like You've been reading fucking Wikipedia, dude. You said it exactly in the same order they have it here. Almond, ginger, and cloves.
1: I don't think I said clove, but... No, you said could... cloves. I, I don't think I did, but all right. Oh, you did. If I did, I... All right. I, I think there's usually vanilla in there as well. I don't know what else. There's another yeah, spice the in next there. Next
0: thing, you're going to say allspice after that, aren't you?
1: I said some sort of spice. I
0: didn't know it was all spice, <laughs> but all right, fine. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, you can give me a bad time. Yeah, it looks like they actually have it at Bevmo, so I might just swing by and grab some. There's other swizzles
1: you can get too. Like I, I know that there's other like styles of swizzles, but the same idea of being, of usually being some sort of like base liquor and then yeah. citrus juice, and those will be usually like bigger yeah. portions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be an idea. I could I could think up of some swizzles for you.
0: That'd be good. I, I picked up a bottle of Bullet. I'm about halfway through that now. Just on old fashions this week. Yeah, I could use another uh, drink to start adding to the mix. Well, there you go. We'll we'll all figure something out for you then. I've been using actually the uh um instead of the Angostura bitters, I've been using the blood orange bitters that you gave me.
1: Oh, from ever ago. Yeah. yeah. Like blood orange bitters. I guess it's been like 2 years since I made maybe 3 years since I made blood orange bitters. It's
0: been a while. Uh, they're still good though.
1: I've gotten better at my bitter making process. They're not as cloudy anymore.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, let's see. What else do you want to talk about today? Do you have any other uh, topics? Uh, I have got
1: nothing other than you making fun of me with my apparently getting off of Wikipedia.
0: Wikipedia? You can't even say it. We'll see (laughs) if
1: I ever, ever help you again in two weeks.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you again in two weeks.